we know, you know, and I know, and everybody knows, nobody has all the data, all the models or the tools or the software. And you got to exchange information between countries and departments and between government and industry and academia. And that can only happen, I think, when you're talking about, in this case, interoperability of data that's just geospatial in nature, because we're talking about the earth. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel, and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. The voice you heard right at the start of this episode, that was Nadine. She is the CEO of the Open Geospatial Consortium. She's been on the podcast before. Last time we were talking about open standards, and I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes of, of this episode if you're interested. And this time we're talking more about the OGC. What is it? What is the Open Source Geospatial Consortium, and why should you care? What can it do for you? Hi Nadine, welcome back to the podcast. You've been here before. Last time we were talking about standards, open geospatial standards. And this time I want to dig into a little bit more about what the OGC is. So you are the CEO of something called the OGC. And uh, let's start there. Would you mind just introducing yourself to the audience, please? And explaining what the OGC is. Sure. And thank you, Daniel, for having me back. Um, so yes, I'm Nadine, I'm the CEO of the Open Geospatial Consortium, OGC, and I've been in this role for the last three years, which I think have been so far one of the best years in geospatial. So talk about being at the right place at the right time. OGC is this um, global community of geospatial experts and users that are really trying to solve complex problems like climate change, like disasters, like infrastructure with their geospatial knowledge, expertise, and tools. And the way we do that is by making geospatial information, or we're recently calling it even location information, so something way bigger. So we're trying to make this information fair findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. And I think that's why it's the best time to be in geospatial, because there's so much of this data out there, and we are trying to make it accessible and findable and reusable and interoperable. So you can see how exciting that is and how busy we must be. So I'm very happy to be here. Well, thank you very much for coming back. I really appreciate it. You said the last three years have been great, like the, the, the best years to be involved in, in geospatial. Why is that? There's been a bunch of different things happening, like a, a bunch of different global events. Do they have anything to do with these like three great years for, for geospatial? Absolutely. I think you know how sometimes things come together, right? So OGC has been around for 28 years. ESRI has been around for, what, 50 plus years. Geospatial has been around for even more. So I think it's just we're maturing to a point where we're not our own bubble anymore. We're not this niche. We're not these geeks. We're literally everywhere. And then, as you mentioned, our problems are now requiring the connection between this amazing data that we know what to do with. And I'm talking about Internet of Things and all the sensors everywhere. I'm talking about the autonomous cars, of course, also more sensors. I'm talking about space, call it new space or whatever you want to call it. How many companies do you know launching satellites, getting data, building analytics platforms? So things are coming together very nicely. And at the same time, 
the problems are sort of ripe for solving with this expertise that we have. You mentioned, for example, the complex problems like climate change, right? When we know, you know, and I know, and everybody knows, nobody has all the data, all the models, or the tools, or the software, and you gotta exchange information between countries and departments and between government and industry and academia. And that can only happen, I think, when you're talking about, in this case, interoperability of data that's just geospatial in nature, because we're talking about the earth. And I can go on, but I think the pandemics was a great example. I don't want to say the word great, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean, yeah. Because uh, it also raised this recognition of, again, geospatial, because we were, we were tracking. We were tracking how the disease was spreading, where we're quarantining, de-quarantining. And most importantly, the world needed exchange of the data, right, between your local jurisdictions, your counties, your state, your country. And it was a mess at the beginning, right? No APIs and people calling other people. And look at us now. You have dashboards, you know, for the whole world, statistics. You get information from hospitals, from funeral centers. And that's all in the back end. It's like where, right? And it's data exchange. And I think this is why these three years have been some of the best because we have the knowledge, the how-to, the tools, and the community that can help with many of today's problems. It's great. I really want to talk about that community side of things in, in just a second. So I, I watch programs like, like Shark Tank. We have a, a Danish version of that, which is, I think they're a little bit more kinder to the people that are pitching than what I've seen on Shark Tank. But I, like, if I watch those programs, what I hear over and over again is like, this is a great idea, but the timing is wrong. And oftentimes the, the timing is a big part of it, of the great idea. You can have an awesome idea, an awesome business case, but if the timing is wrong, if the education burden is too high, then like uh, th these people on these programs say that that's a bad, it's not going to work because, because of this, because of the timing, because of the education burden that you have to make people understand why they need this thing. And when I hear you talk, I wonder if this is like, this is part of the reason why we see all this investment going into new space, for example, is because the timing is right, because people are understanding what it is that we can do, why location is important, and perhaps even how it can be used. Would you agree with any of that? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Timing is everything. As somebody who did a couple startups, I know <laughs> uh, sometimes you have the best idea, the best technology, but the timing is not the best. In our case, when you talk about the new space, I mean, absolutely. We're at this point in time where we've sort of raised the recognition of the potential value. And I'm picking my words very carefully. I'm not saying we've demonstrated the value because I think there's a lot of hype still. And we sort of, you know how the pendulum swings? And I think with new space, we're swinging, you know, because this is the time, right? Everybody's doing, you know, launches and everybody's doing sensors. And sometimes we're doing single purpose missions for specific customers. And we don't know if it's vertical, if it's horizontal. So I think we're definitely on that side of things. But that's where I think you go back, you said community, right? In this case, it's the global community really investing to see if this is going to work and how this is going to work at scale and in a sustainable way. So not as a one-shot, one-time thing, not as a hype, but actually for it to stay with us. So I'm just agreeing timing is everything. 
I appreciate the way you, you chose your words really carefully there. But I would also argue that that hype is necessary to drive things forward. Like, you know, shoot a lot of shots and hopefully one or two of them will hit kind of thing. Sometimes I get carried away with it myself and sometimes I jump on the other side and be like, oh, this will never work. But I, I think at the end of the day, hype is probably what's going to drive things forward. It's going to get a lot of people sort of over the hump to cross the chasm, if you will. And, and maybe, just maybe, some of these great ideas will, will turn into sustainable businesses and the pie will get bigger. Yes, I think I'm agreeing with you. But what pains me is while we're investing so much in space, we sometimes are leaving out the other problems that are also geospatial, like underground infrastructure. It's, it's a big problem, right? And nobody's funding it, or it's very hard to fund it. You talk to the Geospatial Commission in the UK, or you talk to the New York, you know, state and counties, same thing. And it's a, it's a big, big problem that's here with us. So I'm, I'm just, I think sometimes the hype is a little bit too much because we have other issues at hand. On the other hand, we benefit a lot from the hype because those technologies that we're building for space, especially especially on the analytics side, on the sensor side, we can reuse for other things. So we're not really investing in one thing and one thing only. I, I don't know. So I'm, go, I'm, I'm agreeing with both of your <laughs> perspectives. <laughs> I, I want to ask you, I'm dying to ask you about AI. We're, we're talking about hype and machine learning. Where do you stand on, on that front? Where, where do you think we are on the, the hype curve? When you think about AI, machine learning, deep learning? Oh, so I'm sure there are, you know, people who've done the analysis on the hype curve and all of this of AI and in our circles, geo-AI, because I think it's very cool when you're talking, digging into data and getting that artificial intelligence, but also expanding this to be able to be intelligent spatially, right? To actually recognize things that are near each other or happened around the same places. So it's like space and time AI. I think that's what we bring to the table. And that's pretty cool. When I look at it, on one hand, almost everybody now is doing AI and saying they're doing AI. All the startups in OGC that are joining the consortium, they have .ai in their domain names. So there's definitely a lot of that. And some of it, you look at it and you think, hmm, is this really AI or is this just analytics, but we go with the hype because, you know, this is the world we live in, right? At the same time, the potential is amazing, right? And I think this is what all these startups are doing. Just with the space conversation earlier, just demonstrating the potential and pushing us all forward. And at the same time, when I think about it, we need this stuff. This is not, oh, we're just having fun with the data. Oh, this is cool to do. I think it's a requirement right now because we just have so much data and we can't just do it ourselves. We cannot just do it with human intelligence, right? And I think this is where the artificial intelligence, especially if we're saying all data is geospatial, is location enabled, then we need that geoAI to make sense of it. And I love when I see everybody out there making sense of it, actually building businesses to help you know, the Walmarts of the world, right? The insurance companies of the world. So I, I don't know, I'm not this expert, I'm not this economics expert on the hype curve, but this is what I see. It's definitely here. Sometimes there's hype. We definitely need it. And we have something 
very unique to offer to the world in the GeoAI. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm sort of putting you on the spot a little bit when I ask questions like that, but, but thank you very much for taking the time to answer me. So I, I want to get back to the OGC. I want to get back to community and consortium. It's a membership, is it not? Yes, it is. It's a membership organization. I thought it might be. And now I'm, I'm on your website and I'm looking at the membership there and it looks like it's mostly made up of businesses. Is, is that correct? Or, although there are a few individuals there. So OGC, I'm very proud of this. It's now at its largest it's ever been. We are a membership organization, so we have the most members that we've ever had. And traditionally, we had a third of our members, and it's mostly organizations. It's an organization membership. So we had a third of our members were from government, a third from industry, and a third from academia. So that's been OGC for the longest time, except in the last three years when industry is now going up and up and up. And I, it's not a surprise, right? This, this is exactly what we're talking about. Everybody's saying innovation is coming from industry. Industry is um, collaborating more with government. We have more startups than ever in our you know, little geospatial mapping, location, ecosystem, whatever you want to call it. So right now we have about 42%-ish, right, of our members from industry. And uh, also the makeup of those members is changing over the years. So when we started, you know, it was, I would call them the traditional geospatial and GIS, really. And right now it's everybody. We're also seeing more engagement from, I don't know what you want to call them, because they're an all-in-one companies like AWS, like Google, like Microsoft, like Apple, like Carto, right? And the .ai companies out there, so the analytics platforms, the space platforms, like the UP42. So that, that mix is also changing where it's not pure geospatial, whatever that means, right? I call it like business geospatial. <laughs> it's the applications. It's the sort of our interface to the world of business, to the market. For me, the, the obvious next question is, are those people finding you? Are they coming to you and saying, yes, this is important to us, we, we want to be involved? Or is this because of your hard work going out and canvassing and saying, you know, knocking on doors and saying, hey, look, we're a group of people, of professionals that, that can do this, can help you with, with, with these things? It's both, right? It's a push and a pull, but it goes back to your previous question about timing. I mean, you can push and pull all you want. <laughs> if the timing is not right, it's not right. So in this case, it's very right because they come into a community that's growing. So they find these, these unique partnerships that we just said, nobody has all the data or all the tools. And so they need each other. So they come to this pool of partners and they come to interface with the, we have more than 120, I think, government organizations that are trying to solve these big problems we were talking about, you know, like the disasters or the infrastructure or the autonomous vehicles. So they come to hear their requirements. But in the midst of all of this, uh, we go back to the timing, it's the shift in the underlying technologies. It's that shift to APIs. It's that shift to cloud-native geospatial. And think about it, we're all doing this together now at the same time, and we have to do this together. So I think that's why it's working. When we go to them 
with our message of collective problem solving with your technologies and partnership and innovation, the message is clicking. And when they come to us, they're coming and finding the partners, the APIs that they need, the cloud native standards that they're looking for and on and on. So how does this work? So it sounds like this is the perfect storm, at least in my humble little mind. So we've got these, these big players, big organizations that, that probably have quite big problems as well. Let's say climate change, and let's say it's a government. So this is a big player who's in the community, who's got a problem which needs solved, and there's other people in the community, let's say, I don't know, Google, um, who, whoever, and a bunch of other experts. Does that government organization, do they say, look, this is a problem, I want to contract someone to work on this? How does that work? How do, how do you get those people to talk together? And what what comes out of that conversation? So I think that's why I love OGC, because I think that's what OGC has been doing all along, which is a forum to create the right partnerships with the right partners to solve the right problems. So if you start with a problem, I'll pick climate change, right? Or climate change disasters doesn't matter. Something that's big. So what we're doing right now, as an example, it's actually not just one government agency, because when we're talking about flooding, there's flooding in Europe and there's flooding in Canada and there's flooding in Asia. And of course, there's flooding in the U.S. and in South America. So everybody has that problem. This is why we're also having these um, alliances with uh, entities like the UN, the UNGGIM, because what we're talking about are really global issues and every country in a way is, is dealing with at least one aspect of these problems. So in this case, when I say that's why I love OGC, because how can I say this? At OGC, because we can see what our 580 members are doing and what their problems are, because we generally, that's what we spend our time doing. We, we generally talk to them over and over again, or they come to us with their problems. We start to see the common problems. And we start to see the opportunities to solve these common problems. So right now, we are bringing together NASA, we're bringing together ESA, we're bringing together Natural Resources Canada, we're bringing together USGS in, in the US, we're bringing together the Ordnance Survey in the UK and the Geospatial Commission, and around the topics of disasters and climate change. Not to solve the whole problem, but it ends up being that uh, they have data and they have tools and they want to make it available for all the amazing scientists and the smart people, right, to help us understand the climate and mitigation, you know, efforts and so on. So we're all facing this problem. So that's what they come together and say, let's solve this problem of making just our information, our systems fair. I go back to the fair. In the meantime, those same government members at OGC, as we discussed earlier, they're increasingly recognizing the need to partner with industry. And that's why, seriously, look at any event in the last six months, you'll find a topic on public-private partnerships. And I say, hey, OGC has been facilitating this forever. So in this case, Here's the problem. It's not one agency. It's not one country's problem. It's that common problem because it bubbles up and because we sort of are the link, the connectors. And then we have this growing pool of industry members with proven solutions, with proven technologies and the innovators. And voila, I mean, that's you talk about the perfect storm. 
that makes it feel like this is going to be you know creating a lot of value for really really massive players in this space like if i was a medium-sized company could i be a part of this if i was a startup or if i was an individual could i somehow be involved in this as well or get value out of out of these kinds of networking events or relationships or working groups or whatever you want to call them I think absolutely. I think you get more value, to be honest with you, if you're a small business or a startup, because you still don't have the name, right? Eventually, what do they say? Business uh, happens at the speed of trust. So people need to trust you. So when you come in to OGC, you sort of affiliate yourself with the community, right? And your expertise, uh, and you start to engage with the others. So you, you start to raise your brand and I think your credibility, especially when you say I'm compliant with international standards, right? If nobody knows who you are and you say, but I'm following a standard and look, I'm compliant and anybody can connect to me, boom, right? That it accelerates your credibility and your entry to the market. And then I think the best part is this setup gives the startups and the small businesses an opportunity to test things out in a safe environment because we're not building the solution, right? This is just a forum to identify path, right? Best practices maybe towards those solutions. So they they get in, they show what they're doing, and we've seen it recently in the flooding, uh, you know, disaster pilot. You know, you you have maybe your AI for flooding. You don't have the whole solution, but we had Maxar providing imagery and we had Airbus providing imagery. And then we had NASA and USGS. And then we had Up42 providing a platform. You know, you got these then small businesses coming in and say, hey, you know, I can also operate on the cloud and this is what I can offer. And look, it works. And you hook it up with another business that's doing amazing, amazing stuff in you know, visualization and streaming and dashboards. And again, you go like, ooh, voila. I call it just we accelerate because people get together in sort of a trusted environment with a real problem. None of this is fake, right? This is a real problem with real people and real lives and real money behind it. And they show that they can solve it together and the rest is up to them. And usually they do great. What comes out of one of these, I think you call it a pilot project, like at the end, let's say we stay with this use case of, of flooding. So these different organizations came together, they provided different pieces of the puzzle and they created something. Is there something like, like a business case that comes out of this? Is there like a workbook or a standard of best practices or tools? Or do you have these kinds of things that come out of such a pilot project that, that, that other members could see and read through and discover and learn from? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so yes, I think we have many, you know, call them deliverables to the world. Maybe the most basic one, honestly, uh, and for us engineers and technical people, it's like weird, but uh, it's proving, right, that it actually works and that you have a demonstration to show it to decision makers. Because decision makers, we were talking about this earlier, decision makers don't speak our language. So just having a demonstration to show the decision makers what you can do in the case of flooding, landslides, climate change, that's, that's already a lot of value. And we're trying to do that specifically right now with climate change, right? Because the climate change people don't really know, right? Now they've heard about us because we made a lot of noise with COP26, but, uh, you know, the insurance industry is the same thing. So 
I think just having a demonstration is great. But I think the real, real value is um, when we capture what our members do. In the case of the flooding pilot in Peru, it was we had 30 organizations. Eventually, they wrote up, what did they call it? A blueprint for flooding. And think about it. Every time we have a flood, oh my God, it's like the first flood we've encountered. Who has the data and where's the data? How can I access the data? How do we process the data? What tools do we have? And that's why like, we miss it each and every time. So here's a blueprint. In the case of a flood, end-to-end, how do you predict a flood? How do you respond to a flood? How do you mitigate a flood? How do you prepare for a flood? And it's all sort of written in a blueprint and a roadmap, you know, best practice, call it whatever you want to call it, but it's an unbelievable collective experience on, again, on a real problem. And that's why, again, this pilot specifically just rises up to the levels of the UN because, yeah, nobody wants to do it from scratch, especially not in an emergency. And in that best practice, right, and those best practices bubble up those standards, right? So this is technical standards. This is how you access the data. These are the APIs. This is how we did the processing on the data. This is how we packaged the data and, you know, exchanged it between entities. This is how you do it on the cloud, right? It could be also, we found something missing. That's why we're pushing a lot on cloud-native geospatial. We're pushing a lot on you know, GOI, we're pushing a lot on digital twins because let's face it, Daniel, we haven't figured it all out. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. So demonstrations for the decision makers and the non-geeks, the best practices or the blueprints. So nobody has to reinvent the wheel, especially in, in cases where, you know, lives are at matter and time is important. And then standards because that's the sustainability part that's that's the repeatability does that help yeah yeah it, it really does i appreciate that i, I want to poke a little bit about these best practices it, it, you make it sound like you produce a, a series of like standard operating procedures if flood do this kind of thing that this is the way we do things this is the way we process the data this is the kind of data we need this is the kind of this is the way we share the data i'm wondering so if i was a business could i come along and look at this and go okay well, if I adhere to these best practices, could I then go out and sort of sell my services or, or go to my local government or my national government and say, look, if there's a flood, we are the team to do it because we adhere to this, th- these, these best practices. I'm wondering if they, are, if they are seen in that sort of as best practices internationally as well. If I could point at them and say, look, I'm doing all these things in here. You should hire me. I, I should be the contractor for this. So I think a couple of things here. So those organizations, you know, those 30 organizations that have done the work, they can definitely do that because they can say, I provided my component here. It worked with all these other components, including my competitors. It was done in, you know, in a very short amount of time. It's repeatable. So I'm not selling you a dream or a vision. I'm actually selling you something that actually works. So that goes back to the credibility. For the entities that were not in the pilot, and then they refer back to, I'm following those best practices, I think same thing. So one, you show that you're not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? You're starting from, that's why the term community matters here. You're starting from a global community's recommendation on how to address this problem. 
So you're saving your customer a lot of time, right? I'm starting with something that was proven and that was proven based on standards and interoperability. So it has sort of that mix and match approach. And then this is where you start to differentiate yourself. My processing is faster. My GOAI is smarter. My workflow is more efficient. Or I've discovered a whole new way to, you know, predict flooding. So you start to, you know, fine tune on the stuff that matters and not the basics, which is like, you know, how do I get the data and transform the data without losing the quality, right? Because how can I say this? There's a lot we do in geospatial that sometimes we oversimplify to the outside world, <laughs> but actually it's very hard, like the processing of, you know, big, big data, like we have to keep track of all this metadata, the data quality, the data provenance, what's happening to the data, the semantics, all this stuff nobody sees on the outside. I hope I'm, <laughs> I hope I'm helping. You definitely are. So I, I haven't been to nearly as many conferences as what I'm sure you have. When I hear people talk about conferences, one of the things they say is all the really important conversations happen in the hallway. So th this sounds like important stuff, what you're talking about, but it sounds organized. It sounds like perhaps if I was at a conference, this might be the kind of thing that was happening on stage. And that's awesome for the people that are on stage. But it, is it like a conference in the OGC where the it, Important conversations can also happen in the hallway between the community when it's not necessarily a pilot project, but just being in the room with the other people. Ah, uh, yes. And we miss it so much. And I mean, I know we're recording a podcast, uh, but we are having our first member meeting right in person again. So, this, so what I'm trying to say is at OGC, you're absolutely correct. Uh, there's the organized activities. This is under our innovation program, the pilots, the test beds, the exercises, the sprints that are organized, that are structured with a deadline, right? But there's also the, the community. And I love that you actually mentioned across because what happens, OGC puts together four member meetings per year. So this is, you know, one week every quarter where the members can come in and we have the sessions, we have the working groups. So there's a disaster working group, a digital twin working group. Uh, we're starting a metaverse working group, a 3D working group. Again, we have like 70, so I'm not going to name them all. But they come in and exactly this, have these conversations in the room. Remember, we we're saying government, industry, and academia, very, very global, very global. And then a mix of, uh, you know, I'm going straight into diversity right now, not on purpose, but it's also a very diverse in that you have the developer, you have the decision maker, you have the procurement guy, you have the, uh, you know, the head of the program, the product manager, and that whole mix, right? That's the amazing exchange that happens. And then it's the cross, exactly like you said. So you'll have the defense and intelligence working group, and then you'll have I'll pick, uh, I don't know, the aviation or the agriculture working group. And guess what? They have common problems, right? I'm, I'm always surprised, always surprised how, you know, my experience with aviation and with earth observation, you know, applies to other places like transportation and defense because the, the fundamental problems are the same. So I, I often talk to people and they're, they're starting these businesses and they're you know, they're based on some sort of, you know, geospatial location-based technology. And part of their problem is they're, they're talking to someone like me, 
instead of talking to the insurance people, instead of talking to the, the defense people, instead of talking to the, the people that are trying to do something with climate change. Their problem seems to be that, they're, that, that they don't know how to reach these people. Is OGC the place where I could go to do that, you know, to, to reach the, the defense people if that was my plan or the climate people? Because it sounds like with 70 different working groups or, or the metaverse people, for example, it sounds like I could go there and that would be the place that I could meet those people. How can I say no to this question? <laughs> I love this question. No, so to be honest, yes. So you can definitely, I mean, these are the conversations that we're having. You have that mix of the domain experts and the technical experts and the geospatial experts in one room. And definitely it's, um, I would call it an amazing starting point, right? Because we cannot solve the whole problem. That's why OGC, so yes, we have our members and we have those working groups. I think we have, I don't have the number, I should have prepared for this, but we have like 100 alliance partners that work for us, because work with us, because we're not transportation experts and we're not defense experts, but we have the connections to all these guys and all these different communities. Yeah. If I join the OGC tomorrow, can I be a part of like multiple of these work groups? I'm, look, I'm on your website now and the first thing I see is, like a, a cloud native, it uh, looks like a working group, a, a metaverse mm. working group, a, a climate uh, working group. Can, can I join all of them, you know, or multiple <laughs> of them? Or is it, like a, is it like a track that I follow? Okay, you're just metaverse, you're just cloud native. No, so uh, th this is the beauty. I mean, I can't take any credit for this, but, you know, the open and open geospatial consortium is truly, truly open. I don't know if you've seen, we you know, I signed an MOU this week with the open source community. So it's like really open in the true sense of the word. Our standards are open. They're free. We don't charge for them. Everything on, you know, everything we produce, you know, the best practices and the blueprints we were talking about, it's for the community really open. And same thing when you join OGC, first of all, say, or you're an organization joining OGC, then any member of your organization can participate in any working group. So you could be, you could have a thousand people from your company and, you know, some of them are doing digital twins and others are doing agriculture. And we have that, right? And others are doing defense and others are doing 3D. So you see this mix between the domains and between the standards and the technical uh, working groups. And what I caution people, because actually we have the opposite problem. Think about it. You and me are, are very, I think, maybe representative of this community. We're just very excited about this. <laughs> so when you go in, you say, I want to do it all. <laughs> and when I caution people, I'm like, you know, it's actually better sometimes to focus, to get the most out of it, because we're, we all have a gazillion things to do, right? And I think people sometimes don't uh, give... Um, enough uh, credit to the amount of coordination that we all do, right? So when you come in and you engage in a working group, to get something out of it, you really have to engage. And unless it's your full-time job, you cannot do, you know, 10 and 20 working groups. And usually, and I like this, usually you go in. So can I share with you one of my favorite examples? Yeah, please, please. Can I? <laughs> so I was... Um, at an OGC uh, meeting, I think three years ago, just before the pandemics, and the CEO of a drone, uh, you know, so it's, it was an unmanned um, aviation business. We invited him to the member meeting. It was in Belgium. And, you know, he came in to check things out. So he came in the first day 
And then we were like, how did this go? Yeah, okay. Came in the second day. And then the third day, he came in with three other people from his team. <laughs> and he said, you know, he said, you, I want you to follow the unmanned, uh, you know, right now. We don't call it unmanned anymore. Unstaffed, I think, uh, you know, um, uh, systems working group. You, uh, you go after the uh, Met Oceans working group. And you go after the Earth Observation Exploitation Working Group, and I I loved I loved that he came like a like a kid at the Lego store, and then he brought his friends because there's so much, and eventually you gravitate towards what you want, right? What's of value to you and what you're good at, and then you just this gets amplified by everybody else in the community. I think that that's a real um, testament like to what you've created. If like somebody shows up and they go away and they tell the others and they say, look, we, we need to be a part of this thing here. I think getting an idea to spread like that is really, really difficult. And if it's doing it by itself, like you're onto, you're onto something that's winning. You're doing something right, at least in, in my mind anyway. Totally agree. It's exciting. Yeah, I can imagine it's exciting. So you said the OGC is growing where is it going to be in five years? Because I know that you're an ambitious woman. So, so where, are you, where do you want to take this? Where do, you, where do you want it to be in five years' time? Yes, I'm very ambitious, but I'm not crazy. <laughs> Come on, just before just before we push record, you were telling me to think big. So now it's up to you. Think big. So please tell me I'm not crazy. But uh, so as a personal goal for OGC is uh, doubling the membership, right? And I say it's not crazy because if you think of how many businesses and organizations are now using geospatial, again, or call it location or call it mapping or, you know, call it new space, it's all geospatial to us. So that's not a crazy goal at all. And the idea is not just to double to double. The, the doubling, it's almost like we're going to get into the business side of this now, but the membership is really more like a KPI. And the real, the real goal, the real vision is as much impact as possible. So that's why, to me, doubling the members is getting all the right players and the right partners and growing the potential of geospatial everywhere, right? So that benefits our members. We grow the pie for everybody, so it grows for them as well. And then that's why we're doing, we're pushing so much on the OGC APIs and the cloud native geospatial standards, because we want to lower the barrier to as many people, developers, organizations, anybody to be able to use geospatial information in their systems, because this is where we're heading. So that's a big vision. And that's really huge. That's beyond you know, the web map service, which is millions of instances out there and data sources, because when we're talking, you know, an API, like just any other API and everything that we do is cloud native and everybody's putting their data on the cloud, that's scale like you've never seen before. And that's within five years as well. And last but not least, so I talked members, I talked the technology, the standards, and then there's the impact. So I would love, you know, for our disaster pilots and the outcomes of those, the best practices and the blueprints to become true blueprints. Again, that's why I go back to why we're working hard with government agencies, why we're working with the UN. So they truly, right, when there's an emergency, I want you to see it in the news that, you know, Germany deployed the 
OGC blueprint for flooding in order to mitigate right the uh, you know the the expected flood or the expected disaster or the repercussions of it i want us all i think same thing in terms of vision when we talk about climate change and everybody's talking about fair you know findable accessible interoperable reusable information to support you know everything that we're doing with the climate to actually for people to know that I'm exposing my data based on OGC standards and best practices. And that's how I'm contributing because I'm saving everybody a lot of effort to get that data and to use it. And then uh, last but not least, uh, the metaverse, I think, because we're, by we, I mean like everybody, right? Not just like us. It's the latest buzzword. And I think one of the things you talk about ambitious, which we're, you know, our members, in this case, the we is our members are really doing their very best to make sure that we have an open metaverse. And I think that's huge. So doubling the members, having the OGC APIs and cloud native geospatial standards be everywhere to help every system and lower their costs, their resources, their efforts to use the data impact in at least, you know, disasters and climate change because they're in your face and metaverse to make sure that we are in the foundation of, of that whole new thing that's going to supersede the internet. Nadine, thank you very much for being so ambitious. Thank you for like like pushing that that burden of education up the hill, as it were. Like I, I really appreciate it. I believe stuff like this really will grow the pie for, for all of us. So yeah, th- thanks very much. Uh, it's it's amazing work that you're doing. We've mentioned OGC a bunch of times. Is there anywhere where we can, if people want to find out more, they can go to ogc.org. Is there anywhere else you, you would like them to go or is it possible for them to connect with you or, or the organization? Yes. <laughs> I love those questions that I have. Yes, 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 as an answer. So yes, uh, the website, you know, ogc.org, we are actually redesigning. So if you give me two more months, you'll see a whole new website uh, for OGC that's reflecting the domains. That's actually reflecting our conversation, Daniel, versus the current website, which is a very, you know, technically heavy perspective sort of website. So go to the website. I would definitely encourage everybody to join our mailing list because in our, between our blogs, our press releases, and our members, uh, you know, contributed blogs and articles. This is my main source of information because there's so much. So if you want to keep up, it's a great way to keep up with both our community and what we're doing in terms of standards, best practices, events, and opportunities to honestly get funded, you know, under the innovation program. And also, you know, you and I know it mostly, uh, know it best, social media. So now we have an amazing marketing director who's pushing this information on, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn. And it's mostly to reach not us. And I think the not us are the people who need what we have the most. I, I couldn't agree more. Nadine, thank you for coming on again. I, I really appreciate your time. And as always, I, I love talking with you. It's been great. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Nadine, CEO of the Open Geospatial Consortium. So I'm a really big fan of Nadine. I'm a big fan of the work that she's doing. And I think the OGC just sounds like a really great idea. 
So I personally read the content that they produce. It's always well researched, easy to understand, and it, and it comes from that authoritative source, which I, which I really like. And I think as a business, especially as a small business, it'd be worth considering the membership. I, I see it as a like a digital marketing hack. So the SEO value of a link from the OGC website to your website is probably worth the membership in itself. Being able to publish blog posts on their site is definitely worth it. And I also know just trying to meet some of these people through cold outreach is really, really tough. So I, I see the opportunity to be in the room with them. That, that, I mean, that, that would make everything a lot easier. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Uh, I really appreciate it. Check out the show notes. There'll be a few links to other episodes you, you might enjoy. And swing by mapscaping.com sometime. We're spending a lot of time on the website trying to produce some quality show notes, some quality blog posts. And I really appreciate it if you come by and check it out. Maybe, maybe give us some feedback. Okay, that's it for me. We'll see you next week. Bye.